0: Welcome to the Noisy Narrative Podcast. My name is Debbie Vallejo and you are listening to Noisy Narratives where we like to cut through the noise and get to the heart of what really matters in our stories. And um, I am here today with Christy Williams and Stacy Walker. And Stacy is here today to share her story with us, and we're so happy to have her. We have all been getting to know each other really well. Um, by way of introduction, actually, I have known Stacy now for twenty-four-ish years. Probably twenty years. Is that how long? Yeah.
1: At okay. Clark, we were 21 years. 20.
0: 21 years ago at Clark Middle Good. School. Okay, so 30, I 11. over I overextended a little bit. So we were. Um, we first met each other. I opened Clark Middle School, and then you came the second year,
1: I think? I came the sure. year of 9-11. That's right. It was my first the year of teaching. Year. And um, so I had my first month in middle school with those kids. Um, yeah. Basically, three weeks changed. after it started yeah. is when 9-11 happened, so yeah so it that's was a, right I've forgotten intense. that it, yeah. was, it was it was an intense, intense school
0: day yeah. and we had yeah. some kids in our school whose parents were actually on
1: business flights yes who mine, we had to pull them into one of mine was on on flight. the business flight and it was pretty yeah. traumatic for, for yeah. her and our whole class yeah I
0: remember wow. that I'd, I'd forgotten that when you said that that was the that is the year you came I need I more I mean,
2: can I share more detail about that like, did she end up finding her dad or mom? Yes, or all the parents. can't just leave that
0: hanging no. out Sorry. there. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. All, all the parents of the kids that um, were impacted that day as potentially being on those flights.
1: All those parents ended up being fine. Okay. They yes. were not. Yes. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, it was just a situation where they couldn't get a hold of their parents. Yes. And they knew yeah. they were on flights that day and they oh. knew they were in that area. There was even I mean.
0: one from New York. Yeah, um, yeah. But it was, they ended up, yeah. Scary. I, I can even scary. remember
1: their names. You I bet know? you can. I mean, it's, yeah. that's how intense mm-hmm. it was. Well, and you just,
0: oh, you felt for them. Oh, my goodness. And then, I mean, of course, I mean, no learning's getting done that day. No. no. Just holding oh, hands just and shocked. hugged. And, right. Uh-huh. Oh. Um, but, yes, that was the first oh. year we met because we were both teaching there or working there. Um, and I was working. I was the technology facilitator there for the campus, and you were running the the um, first
1: year video production. Class. Yes, yeah,
0: video production lab, and that we got to know each other really well. Trying to fix all those computers, <laughs> the
1: first time we had Max in the district, that and right. there was no um, no one. No. And
0: I had never worked with Max like ever. And yeah. I'm the technology person. Stacy's like, I'm all, I don't know. Let's <laughs> see here. Let's figure it out together. And on it. the first
1: day. Yeah, they didn't even have an instruction book on that <laughs> mic. You had no. to get it online, and then we didn't have internet to that line. So it, it was an interesting
0: mm-hmm. year. It was an interesting year. I decided to quit after that year. No, I was pregnant. I stayed home with my baby after that year, but still, <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> um,
0: it was an interesting year. But that's how Stacy and I met. And then we didn't see each other for a while, off and on mm-hmm. for years. And then um, You guys started attending. We started attending. I can't remember which one of us came here first to Frisco First Baptist, Um, but we ran into each other one day and we were like, Stacy, Debbie. (laughs) Anyway, um, and this year we're doing a Bible study together, which has been so much fun. Yes, it has. So Stacy, though, is here today to just kind of share part of her testimony with us. Um, It'll get a little intense at times, but there's so much hope at the end of this story or in the middle of the story, this right now part of the story that, um, we just felt like your testimony could really benefit others to hear your story. So tell us first of all, a little bit about yourself now, like what do you do and what's your family like?
1: How long you were on all floor today. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, um, I, um, came to Frisco with my family in 19, late 1999, we spent Y2K here on New Year's Eve, and then we moved here in March of 2000. And so, um, and then I went through um, alternative certification, certification for teaching and got my teaching degree. And I went and I started teaching, and my kids were in school. So I was a teacher in Frisco ISD for 15 years, and it took me all the way through my kids' entire. Um, let's see, kindergarten through 12th grade. Mm-hmm. So it took me all the way through that. So that was really cool to be able to be with them on the same time schedule and to work and to be mm-hmm. be there and to know their teachers and everything. So I was a teacher for 15 years, and I retired um, in 2016, and then I became a travel agent. My mom and I started a travel agency together in 2015. And so I, we went ahead and we've done travel for for five years now, six years now. Probably five because the last year we didn't do much but cancel yeah. things. But. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> last year must yeah. have been yeah a pretty yeah. slow year, yeah. huh? Yeah, exactly. So but Was
0: that good? Were you were you kind of okay with the break?
1: You know what? Or? Actually, last year was more work than probably mm-hmm. all the years combined because we spent so much time canceling and getting refunds and rebooking. And then oh, we'd wow. rebook it and then it'd get canceled and then we'd rebook and then oh. get canceled. and re- I mean, it was a lot of a lot of time spent and you never earned one penny because you don't get paid unless they leave. So, yeah. So it was an interesting year, but we've had a good run at it and um, we had a great business. So we'll see where that goes in the future. I'm not sure we're going to continue it um, full steam like we did. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. um, so we'll see where we go, but that's just one of my jobs, many jobs that I've had. So I love change and, um, yeah, you know the same that I love change. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I'll we'll see. I'm really looking to where God leads me next.
0: Mm-hmm. So, um, part of your story, um, just tell us a little bit about your growing up years because you moved around. I did a lot. So, tell us kind of how that happened and what growing up was like and
1: why you were moving around. And okay, um, we I. Can actually say I've been an international traveler for 55 years now, mm-hmm. and which means that I left title. on an airplane. <laughs> I went, want that job, an international travel. travel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I left on an airplane with my family when I was two, and we moved to Greece. And so my dad had gotten a job, he worked for Philip 66, and he got a job um, in Alexandria, Egypt. And it was during the time of the Seven Day War. So oh, I don't know if you oh remember goodness. that, but um, you can look it up. It's Well, sometimes they call it the six-day war, six- or seven-day war. And so it was pretty traumatic over in the Middle East. And so he would work in Egypt while we lived in Greece. So I um, turned three in Greece, and that was a pretty big birthday for me there because I fell down the marble stairs and, and busted my eye or something. And I don't know if that's even made up because my mom can't remember that story.
2: Well, and apparently you can't remember
0: it either. Do you have a
1: mark? Do not have like a, from like, what do you call them? Stitches or anything? No, no. Nothing. But I just remember falling down the marble stairs. Oh, you do remember
0: falling down the stairs. Yeah, I do. And the
1: big deal was that it was marble stairs because who has marble stairs, stairs, That's very fancy. Yeah. 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 So so we lived in Greece. And then once it was safe for us to go to um, Alexandria, my brother and sister and my mom joined my dad there. So we lived in Alexandria for about five and a half years um, in Egypt on the coast, and it was beautiful, and I loved every minute of it. My mom probably can't say the same because she's the one in charge of cooking and cleaning and you know household staff and everything else. And it's a different perspective when you're an adult living in a third world oh, country totally. than when you're in a, you're a kid. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: and you're responsible for these three kids yes. in a third world country. Yes, That's exactly. A little scary, exactly. And mm-hmm. she was, I think, twenty. Five or twenty six. I mean, she was not very yeah. old, yeah. so she had three kids under, under four, I think. Wow. So yeah, my brother was six months old. Okay. So. So then, after
0: Egypt, where'd you go? After
1: Egypt, we, we had what we call a family meeting, and my dad told us that we were moving to um, Tehran, Iran. Oh wow. And so we moved to Tehran, and um, I spent two years there, or a year and a half to two years, and um, moved back to the states when I was ten. And we moved to the town where our company was from, which was Phillips Petroleum Company in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, which is also where I was born. And um, then I went through six years in Oklahoma in my junior year, my sophomore year of high school, my dad says, let's have a family meeting. <laughs> <laughs> and I like, ooh, I know what yeah. this is about. And we had had a family meeting before that. But um, it was, I think we were being transferred to Aruba and they could only take two children. Wow. So I said that we could leave my brother behind. <laughs> <laughs> but
2: but they, they didn't go for your They
1: didn't go, go for, for them. No. no so, um, so then this family meeting, we were going to Hong Kong. And, of course, I was about to face my junior and senior year. My sister was going to be a senior in high school, and um, it was it was pretty traumatic because we didn't want to leave and go. Yes. I mean, I didn't even know that really Hong Kong was a country. I thought that was just where they made clothes, you know, yeah. like Timbuktu. Who thinks mm-hmm. that's really a place? So, <laughs> so, and back then we didn't have Internet, so we had to go to the library mm-hmm. and look up where it was and— but we all went, and honestly, I cannot believe I was fortunate enough to be able to live in Hong Kong back when it was a British colony, and so incredible, and graduate from there. And Does your sister feel the same way? Um, not so much, I don't think, because that was her senior year, yeah. and there was a lot of trauma with that. But yeah. I will tell you that she loves Hong Kong, too. Probably not as much as myself and my brother, just because we were there longer. Hmm. So, um, and How long were you there? We were there for, I was there two years, but I went back every summer and Christmas. Oh. So throughout my college years. Okay. So. Because you, you went back to see friends that you had made there. Well,
2: her yeah, or was my, still my there. My parents were there. Or oh,
1: your family so was she, still you there. Came so here you came over year for, for came college. college. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, got yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. And so then the company flew me back twice a year and I'd stay all summer. And I mean, it was, that That's was great. my home. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like you going back to Tyler or wherever mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. you're out of college. So, or a summer break. And then your parents moved back here. Um, actually, they we all moved back here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I was a journeyman overseas um, for two years to Zambia, Africa. So I lived in Zambia for two years. And then my parents moved actually to Saudi Arabia. And so we were never on the same continent, <laughs> you know, for really after I graduated for more than a couple years at a time, because even after I moved back and had had children um they moved back to hong kong and to taiwan as um as volunteer missionaries
2: mm-hmm. so, that's cool that yeah and they nice didn't move so awesome.
1: back till 2014 so, so you're doing all this
2: traveling or you land in a different place let's maybe go to hong kong sure um family issues might come up there yeah, we had some definite family <laughs> issues.
1: Um, I think Hong Kong is a beautiful country, and it has lots to offer. But when you're when you're a kid, you're faced with a lot of um, things that aren't very godly. Mm-hmm. And so we did have some family issues there. And um, um, How do you handle those family? How did you handle those issues? Um, well, my parents... Um, Oh man, it, that's a that's a tough story. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know that may be another podcast. We're <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> like, let's branch off on that. Well, there
1: yeah.
0: one of the one things the big part of your testimony we want to talk about today was mm-hmm. you're just your struggle with an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Yes, and so. Part of what you have kind of shared before is just um, some of how you dealt with things physically and emotionally um, with some of the just changes and the family um, dynamics and everything was you did develop an eating disorder at one point. So can you talk to us a little
1: bit about how that happened when that started? Sure. Um, I will say that, you know, living in those countries, especially in the Middle East countries um, where you are different, but you're the same. So I'm talking about maybe a physicality. As far as um, I had dark hair, just like the Middle Easterners. So I I looked, you know, I didn't look like them, but I had that dark hair. And one of my first memories was I had a little girlfriend who had blonde hair, and who talked about how you know blondes have more fun. Watch this mm-hmm. and and. She walked over to this group of men, and I walked over with them, and they paid all the attention on her because of the blonde hair. Mm-hmm. So so not that that was a big deal in this story, but that sets up the fact that, you know, I was always conscious of of why I was not different, and I was I was a little chunky growing up. And so I had a problem with uh, maybe um, my self-esteem. And so that self-esteem translated to my little chunkiness, and then I went into um, just always being worried about what I look like. So when I went to college, so fast forward like 15 years, mm-hmm. when I went to college, um, you know, you always gain the 15, 20, yeah. 40, 15 40 pounds, right the freshman yes. 15, yes. and so I definitely did that. And so I was already having some issues um, with gaining that weight. And um, we had some, some problems in our family with some issues that had come through from Hong Kong, from our Hong Kong days. And so when my parents were still overseas at that time, it led to me being the person in charge of the family issues, whether I wanted to be or not. It just was the fact that they were still in Hong Kong And I was in the States. And then was your, your sister was in the States and
0: your brother too?
1: Yes. Okay. So all three of you were here in
0: college. Okay.
1: That's correct. So I think when you have some family dynamics like that, that, you know, are pretty painful to go through, um, you know, and I, I don't know how much of that story I can go into and feel comfortable with just because of the known parties. And um, so so actually, what I just want to say is that we did have some issues and we were working through them. I was a 17-year-old child, basically, at Baylor University and dealing with a lot of things that none of my friends were dealing with. It wasn't your typical college student thing that I was dealing with. And
0: most of them wouldn't even understand. A lot of them had not even probably lived out of the United
1: States. Oh, absolutely not. Very many people understood me at that point because I was a very different person than they were. I looked like them. I Mm. sounded like them, but I was not like them inside. Mm. So so you have a lot of dynamics going on there. So naturally, since I'd already had problems with my weight, I'd lost the weight, but I was starting to... So you lose, you get, gain your freshman 15, you lose it. You feel really good about it because you think you've got it going on. And then all of a sudden I was starting to, (laughs) to gain weight again because I was eating so much. And so at that point, I don't know how I even knew about bulimia. I definitely knew about anorexia because there were a lot of girls at Baylor who were pretty much going through that. Um, but bulimia, I thought, well, I can do that. I don't think I can starve myself to death because I love food. Mm. But I definitely think I could have bulimia because I like food and then it'll just take off weight. Well, I think that is a huge misconception about bulimia, which I didn't know at the time. I didn't know that when you have bulimia and you eat so much food that you can never get rid of the caloric intake that you had. I didn't know that it could mess with your you know, child's bearing. Mm. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, you you can mess up your body so severely mm-hmm. that it is it becomes a bigger issue than it is the food. Mm-hmm. And I will say that bulimia is really not about the food. Bulimia is really about the issues that you're dealing with that you can control. You can control, control. your food, but you can't control some of those issues. Mm-hmm. So
0: would you feel like, because you were saying you love food, were you like an emotional eater?
1: Yes. So yes. then
0: depending on you would even overeat when you emotionally were sad or, cause I tend to be the opposite. Like when I'm stressed or sad, yeah, are angry like I can't eat like I feel like yeah my I'm sister's nauseous like it's I'm <laughs> like Man, That's Stacy. I'm like where's the food and then but I have another my other sister would say she was like it, she's the absolute opposite yeah. like she yeah. is tends to be an emotional eater so um, which again neither one is I mean right. is a good thing right. we just you know what you where you're right where you lie right. and you right. deal accordingly right and so what you're saying then is a seventeen year old mm-hmm. I'm going through all this. My parents are in Hong Kong. I'm in Baylor. I'm much different. There's element of culture shock for sure. Absolutely. Right? Um, I'm seeing all these people act. They look like they've got it together, and they're this way. I'm nothing like them on the inside. If they only knew. So then, when did the bulimia for you kind of really start? When did it pick up? Well, not,
2: did you research it? Because it sounds like
0: you. Well, to like I don't look know. Into it.
1: You know, back in the '80s, it was a big deal: bulimia and yeah. anorexia. It I had a, a really good friend
0: yeah. going that I went to high school with, like two actually, yeah. that all that. Yeah, that threw up often. Yeah. I mean, and
1: sometimes I think it was like a coat of honor or something. Yeah. You know, I don't know it, what it was. It but, spread
0: through the high schools. Yeah, and I think in high and colleges, but in it seemed like in the higher income areas. Mm-hmm. Is that what you would yeah. call it? More yeah. the
1: affluent? Yeah, I would think. I would think, um, but but I would say this did not start until my junior year of college. So do you remember like your first time binging? Yes, um, actually. I don't know if I would call my first time binging. I just knew that I ate food and I was like, "Ooh, I ate too much," and so I'll throw up. Okay. So, um, but you know, it's it's so not pretty to do that, mm-hmm. and it's so so disgusting. And then you you think to yourself, "Why did I just do that?" And look at me. You know, your eyes are swollen. Your you know everything. Mm-hmm. Um, even I had red marks on the back of my hands after I'd been bulimic for a while. And I thought, oh, people are going to notice because I have these red marks where, you know, my teeth are, you mm-hmm. know. So, um, so it's very, very not pretty. And you just feel so disgusted with yourself, you know, for, mm-hmm. for feeling that way. And honestly, I would eat during the depths of some of the trauma going on, I would eat whole cakes, mm-hmm. <laughs> whole boxes of cereal. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's amazing the things you ate and it's just to fill that void of pain. You know, it's really not about enjoying the food anymore. It's just feeling that void and that um, you don't know how to control it. But I think that's that way for a lot of issues that kids deal with even today, like the cutting, cutting. and the different things that they do. It's just a different form of filling that void that is so hard on kids, because I know my reason for it is a very different one than anybody else's, but everybody has their own story. Sure. And this was my story. And this is the reason why I did it. So
0: did you, do you feel like, um, it took away almost the joy of food for you then? Like you as being someone who loved food, like yeah. you were saying, did, yeah. you, did it take away some of that yeah. joy I of think
1: even eating? I think you? it did. Yeah. So um, yeah. Is it a struggle for you today? Oh, no. Food, eating? No. As a matter of fact, I do better if I have whole, like my kids can tell you, my parents, my mom can tell you, my husband can tell you. I've got containers full of candy, like from from Easter, containers full of chocolate and stuff that sits on my counter. And I'm good as long as I can eat it. But if it's not in my house, then I want it desperately. So as long as I can see it, um, I don't have to have it. But I, you know, going through this process, I did go to the hospital for my eating disorder. How,
2: how low was your weight? Like, what was the, oh no, it was, it was heavy because
1: that's, that's the problem with bulimia. You think you're going to lose weight over it, but you don't. Mm -hmm. I gained weight. So not only could I potentially have these problems with, um, not being able to bear children, mm-hmm. but um, but I gained weight, and most bulimics do gain weight. It's the anorexics, and I was always thinking, why couldn't I have been an anorexic? You know, yeah, because because well, and
0: there's some that are I know do close cl- people who do yeah. both, and yeah. I think then that confuses people because if you're doing both, a lot of times you do get very very thin
2: yeah, because you, you do. are doing oh, both. So we had this. two friends that were bulimic, yeah. and they got very skinny, then and then were, when they gained weight. And the same thing, though, that's how you could tell it was their fingers and then something with their teeth. Yeah. But I yeah. remember
1: someone saying, look at their fingers and you'll know. Yeah. Well, and also your teeth, that was another mm-hmm. thing is that your teeth, the acid from uh-huh. your the stomach acid, yeah, can rot your teeth. Mm-hmm. Right? So, you know, there's a lot of things that you don't think of. But I think when you're going through a disease like this, you don't think. No, of you course. Ju- you just don't. You don't think about what it's going to do to you. Well, you're All in you- pain, too, you're and you're pain. just trying to kill the pain. All you can do is think about how to get rid of this pain, That's but right. you make it worse because that pain Absolutely. doesn't go away. Right. So
0: when so you're saying this really started for you as a junior in college. Um, right. When At what point do you finally go, oh, this is bad?
1: Um, I was home one summer um, in Oklahoma because my parents were back by then, and this was between, they moved back my, the end of my junior year of Baylor. So they were back and I was at their house and I was spending some time with them. And, um, my, this is so terrible, but my brother was there also. And I had on black shorts, a white shirt, and a white, a black top on it. <laughs> and he looks at me and he goes, huh, you look like a double stuffed Oreo. Ouch! It's horrible. Ouch! That they, is what that did, did you throw a pillow at him? Uh, no. Or did I, you just go I, eat? I cried and uh-huh. I sobbed and I sobbed, and that's when my parents looked at me and said, "You need more help than we can give you." So, so is that when you were at your heaviest too? Yes. Okay. Yes. So so they knew I needed help, and so my dad researched his insurance, and they were able to cover a stay in the hospital. So, um, they drove me to Tulsa. They checked me into the hospital and it was a, it was a bulimic anorexic ward Mm -hmm. at the hospital. And so I wasn't, I didn't leave the hospital. Um, you can't leave, you're checked in. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, it wasn't a bad situation, but there were a lot of girls and a few guys hurting really bad there. And so I was there and you know, you're, you're in one of those situations. You're like, where am I? And why am I here? How did this happen? All I know is I was trying to get rid of pain, you know, and all of a sudden I'm here. Well, I was there, and they checked me in. I think it was July, late July, maybe early August. And I remember them telling me that it was a six-week hospital stay at the minimum. Oh, and I was thinking, I'm going to miss my senior year at Baylor. Like, there's no way that uh. I can finish because Baylor starts in, like, a couple weeks. And so I worked really hard to... Um, to get over this disease and to go through all the therapy. And I really worked to get rid of it because my really big goal at this point was to graduate from Baylor. And so three weeks in, um, they said, you know, you've done so well, we're going to let you go to Baylor. And so I was able to start Baylor on that day. Now, um, I will tell you, there were some setbacks in those weeks, and I didn't even know I was having setbacks. So part of the thing was they said, you can't have any sugar whatsoever. So, until you get this under control, there's no sugar in your diet.
0: And is but this was
1: unique to you. This I don't isn't know. All no, this, this is was. I to think you? this was everybody. So there's no something sugar. about the sugar that connects to your brain. That's like
0: a, it's the sugar, salt, and yeah. something else that like is the yeah addictive. And properties. maybe sugar was
1: mine. I don't know. Okay, that they took me off sugar and they said you can't even have a carefree stick of gum. Sugar, salt, and fat.
0: Those are the yeah. addic- addictive yeah. ones, right? Okay. Yeah, so, so they took me off of everything,
1: including sugar-free gum. Okay. So I couldn't have that. So I was fine with that, but I know it worked because I was triggered when we went down to the cafeteria and we had a special day out and they took us to the cafeteria. Otherwise, all the food was monitored and they took us, you know, they brought it to our rooms and they took me down to the cafeteria and they had um, honey glazed ham. Mm. And that honey glaze set me off uh-huh. so bad that I wanted to go through the um, heat purge. So like, it, it so set when you off, say off my mind. I need details. Yeah, yeah so, so it, it set off so. my mind into a binge eating. Thing.
0: So you wanted to then, after having some of this ham with the sugar on it, yeah. it's like you wanted to eat a whole bunch. Yes. And then just go throw it up yes. like that's you felt that urge that pull. Yes. you're so right then because of that. That's mm-hmm. interesting. And that was the
1: first time in like two weeks I saw so that pull. So
0: what happened? Did you do that? Did you go? Um,
1: and- no, I went and talked to somebody. Oh, I'm you talked, smart? And they talked to me through it and said, okay. "Oh, I think this is what happened." Okay. So that's but you know you know you think about God and all these things. Like if I had not had that honey glazed ham, I would have gotten out of that hospital room and tried things because i thought oh they're just lying Mm. you know oh Oh, sugar's not going to do that much to me but Mm. what happened was i left the hospital and i had that under my belt i knew that honey glazed ham the honey glaze set me off Mm. and if i had any sugar whatsoever that would probably happen to me and sugar especially back
0: then sugar was very hard to avoid yeah in foods i mean like so how did you do that like how did you so
1: i just i just i don't know actually
0: did you end up having to just do like regular vegetables and yeah. like, cause that means like bread, bread has yeah. sugar. And yeah,
1: well, and I don't think it's that kind it's the glaze, you know, the, you it's know, the higher, so it's, the, the amount of sugar matters that you're yeah, saying, yeah the concentrate or but, whatever. You know, my, you know, I moved into an apartment with three new roommates. They were yeah. all my sorority sisters and I moved in and the best part was they took such good care of me Aww. when they would cook Baked cookies, like they knew yeah. there was a possibility of me not coming back. I had told them, and so when I moved in, and we were, they we were so excited to be together, we couldn't believe it. And when they made um, chocolate chip cookies, they would make me a batch of popcorn. When they did this, they would bring me peanuts. So they they took whatever that was, and they gave me an alternative. So I thought thought that was really awesome. Mm -hmm. And that's another way that God puts people into your life that you, you know, you chose Mm -hmm. these people to be your roommates, you know, six months ago. And all of a sudden this person is exactly where they want to be because God put them there. Mm -hmm. So were you ever angry that Mm -hmm. they were
0: making chocolate chip cookies to begin with?
1: No, because remember, I wanted to be well. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be well. That was something that I I really desired because that the bulimia was I just thought it was awful and I couldn't believe I was in that situation and I never wanted to go back to it. So um, how
0: did you so then because of that you were able to pretty much just tell your mind. I want I I don't want to stand out. So I would rather just eat something different than say please
1: don't make these around me at all. Well, I don't I don't believe that would be fair to them. It's not fair to them. They they don't have that disease. But I think there's an element of maturity there,
0: though, in you that is not always there for other people. Like, I think that's... You made that leap as a young college kid recovering from a disease. Like, what do you attribute that to?
1: God. The whole oh, thing. Okay. And, you know, when yeah. you go through this thing, you go, so why did I have that? Why Why was I... You know, what was so bad that I had to go through that for? Like, I don't even understand why that was a thing in my life. However, you don't know the whole pieces of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. You know, God is up there with his I always think of it as a giant jigsaw puzzle, and he's just putting piece to piece to piece, and, oh, that doesn't fit there quite yet, you know. (laughs) Have to wait for this piece. I always think of that as a jigsaw puzzle, and I can't wait to see how my jigsaw puzzle worked out when I get to heaven. Wait, side note. I think it
2: is a sign of maturity, but I think it is the way you and I are both thinking, like, you didn't want them to not make cookies or... Mm -hmm. I think we're so jaded by today's society. Yeah, because we're so well, and I know people though in her situation yeah. that responded so differently than that. Oh, that it see, was I such a them.
0: battle of everybody them around mad. them being mad at everybody for not adjusting, oh. uh, and so just because they were still struggling so much with. But you're right, today's society. I think for,
2: has it's as kind well of skewed too, us a bit to be like, "Well, you're to. not supposed to." Then we have to have.
0: But I will some literally. So, this I mean, if you're going to have this, I know a couple that have been. That have had significant struggles in these areas, and their families um, are still kind of dealing with this idea that everyone has to adjust because I'm, you know, this is still so hard oh, for God. me. It's you years push years back on years and years out. But it's, um, so that's why just for you to come up with it on your own that, hey, I, I don't want everyone to have to adjust around me because that's part of me being better
1: yeah. is
0: being able to interact with people in a way yeah. that doesn't cause everyone else to have to um, feel the repercussions of this. Um, as much, you know, as yeah. I and so I that just stood out to me. That's why I was mm-hmm. like, it totally,
1: it totally did. But it also made me a normal senior in yeah. college too. You got so to experience. I got life. to experience yeah. normalcy. No mm-hmm. one tiptoed around me. No one had to feel like they had to tiptoe around me. And I lived a normal life. I don't even know that anybody else knew besides my roommates that I had an eating disorder. They may have, but they we certainly didn't talk about it. You know, it wasn't something that they were like, oh, you're doing so good. My roommates would say that to me, but nobody, you know, I don't, and they may have, I just, you know, it's been a long time, but I just can't remember that it was a big issue. That's
0: interesting. And I, and I had friend, good friends in high school, really good friends. I still remember my mom, like she would, um, like uh, one good friend in particular, she would come stay with me, spend the night sometimes. And I, she'd take a shower or whatever and kind of, she'd been throwing up and my yep. mom knew.
1: Cause she you can tell. see,
0: you can see. So she'd come out and I remember coming out of the bathroom one time. My mom just giving her a big hug, you yeah. know, and, she'd start yeah. and then she just started crying and that was it. I yeah. mean, but it is like you talk about the pain that nobody sees. So then that does end up because with my friends, I remember that was part of it. There was just pain. Nobody saw.
2: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: So how did you, in the end, you do have to still go back to, what caused this right. in the first place? So, how right. did you go back? When did you start doing that work? Like, how did you well, go back the Well, that was in
1: started? the hospital. I think that was in the hospital. And I can't say I never binge threw up, but it wasn't to the extent. But
0: I'm, what it about was, like the emotional esteem, this health, self esteem issues you're saying that kind of yeah. started propelling you to that? When did yeah. you? So, you. Felt like the time in the hospital pretty much addressed I those think it did. issues.
1: I think I I worked really hard in the hospital to address the issues and to get through them. I mean, I knew my time was was so tender And my. This was this was taking my goal and throwing it all away, mm. and I didn't. I wanted to graduate from Baylor. I loved Baylor. I loved being there. And to miss my senior year where that was the mm-hmm. best year of them all and I had such good friends at that point and um, such good roommates, I didn't want to miss that. And so I so I did. I put in the work to get mm-hmm. that done. And um, you know, I, to this day, I still have um, issues with body issues. I mm-hmm. still have that. That's never gone away. But the pain that I, I dealt with is no longer there. So, how do you deal so, with the
0: body issues now? So, the well,
1: when I was in the hospital, so there are a couple things that they told me that I I could never go back on a diet. And so, um, so that was one oh, of the things, the word diet is out of your life forever. Mm-hmm. Well, I have gone back on a diet and <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I just totally ignored Shh, don't them. Say that. Word. <laughs> but, but that was like 30 years later. Yeah, sure. So, You've so learned. the cycle had broken and mm-hmm. I was no longer involved in that cycle mm-hmm. and it'd been broken for a long time. Yeah. And, and I do diet still to this day because that's a never ending battle when you're my age. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it, it doesn't associate the self with a pain. And I mm-hmm. think part of the pain was too, is that um, our family got healthy and a lot of things, um, a lot of things came back together and it was still hard and it's still a struggle, but that started to get healed. Mm-hmm. And it was just the starting point of the healing and like I said, there were a lot of years after that that were hard, but they weren't. It wasn't all on me, maybe, is what yeah. I can say. Good I wasn't the pressure. parent in it, you know, at that time. That had gone on. My parents had moved back. And um, so so that's probably when I felt the pressure. Now, I'm not saying my parents or anybody else put that pressure on me. That was just the pressure I put on myself. So... Um, I just want to make that clear that, you know, and they may have never seen that side of it until maybe now. But but I just felt like a lot of pressure with what was going on in my life at that time.
0: So if somebody is listening and kind of struggling with an eating disorder, have a child Mm -hmm. that is Mm -hmm. boy or girl, boys struggle with this, too. Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely. Um, You know what?
0: What's a nugget you can give them? What would you what would a
1: suggestion be? Well, I would say get professional help. I think that's really important. If they're to the point where they're so deep in, like I was, professional helps really the only way to get out of it. Um, And because they they have that knowledge, they have that they have a way to help you through issues. You know, it's like going to a counselor. It's just therapy, and we all need therapy for lots of things, right? Mm -hmm. True, Mm -hmm. not just eating. So, (laughs) so if you go in and you get a healed mind and you get a clear mind and you know what your struggles are, and you can work on those struggles, then you can definitely be, um, you know, there's there's so much hope for you. And um, I want to go back to the part about the puzzle piece and what God was putting back together. So I went through all the struggle, and when I graduated from Baylor, I worked for a news station down in Waco for about a year, and um, that was not the job for me, so I decided to become a journeyman. And it's a journeyman is a two-year Baptist missionary. It's a volunteer. Well, it's volunteer. I think I got paid $400 a month and you go overseas, and as a college graduate, you can go overseas, and you can give back two years to the mission field, and you're not a long-term mission, so you know it's just two years. If you wanted to be a, a long-term missionary, you go a different route, but I went back, and um, during this training, there were, I think, 67 of us at this training camp that we went through, and it was about a six-week course, and during that six-week course, I met a young lady who was getting ready to go to Africa herself to another country other than mine. And, um, she had an eating disorder. Mm. And so during that six weeks, I was able to really talk to her about her eating disorder. Now, I mean, why did I have an eating disorder? What was God's plan for that? Well, that girl never went to Africa. She went home and she got help. And whether she's, mad at me to this day that she didn't go to (laughs) Africa. I don't know because I never kept up with her. But I do know that she needed help. Mm -hmm. Africa is a hard place to be Mm -hmm. when you're 23 or 24. It's a hard place to be and you can't go home for two years. So if she'd gone over there, she would not have been able to get the help that she needed back in the US. And so that would have been a rough Mm -hmm. road for her and it would not have ended up very good. Mm -hmm. So I just felt like, you know what, this is kind of full circle. Maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe that's, why all the pain and the suffering that I went through. Not that that's only the reason, but it's just. And
0: it at least gives it some purpose. It does. Did you find yourself story. having to
2: be bold with her too to yes. figure out and identify and then sit and talk with her? Yeah, because you don't want to
1: admit that you no. have a problem. Who wants to admit that? But, yeah. um, but rumors had been, so I talked to her about it and I was like, Look, I've you. gone through this and this is what I had to do. And so, um, Did yeah. she deny it or she denied it, but then she talked about it and then she talked more and then we talked more and then she went and talked to her count, her leader of mm-hmm. that group. And then she just came to that conclusion on her own. So wow. I never got to say goodbye to her. I just know that she had decided to leave. But you planted the seed. Yeah. But, but I mean, when you're in that place, you know, you know, you yep. know that something is wrong and you know, you to deny it, you can't do that. You mm-hmm. have to face it.
2: I love that, and it's
1: the denial over and over to deny yes. it. It's so hard. Yes. it's so so hard. Yeah, you have to face you have to face those things that come to you that are so hard that you can't get over. And you know, I think a lot of the problems these days is that insurance may not cover this type of um, mm. disease. You know, because it is a disease. So yeah. I don't know if it did cover. It. I was fortunate that it did cover it with my parents in Well, the
0: ones, th- i I mean, you're right cuz then you go is getting help sometimes out of the reach and more so of a bird expensive. Bird and, expensive, yeah, right. and that's that's sad to think about too yeah. for people. But I mean, so
1: what is the hope in your story? The hope in my story is that, you know, God is so good <laughs> yeah. on so yeah. many different levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um Just because you're, if you're in this situation and you're in a valley, doesn't mean that there's not a mountain out there, Yeah, you know, and, and that valley, when you're going through it, I'm making this story seem very easy and very, you know, oh, no big deal, but it was a huge deal, huge, Mm. but, um, but God healed me from that horrible disease and he, he, you know, look, look at all the things I got to do. I, yeah. I got to go to Africa as a missionary for two years. I've had two beautiful children, you know, a mm-hmm. husband, a family who loves me and I love them. And, you know, there there is hope out there, but you have to find help. It's not just going to come by by wishing it away. Yeah. I thought I could wish it away, but you can't. You got to mm-hmm. turn to God and you got to turn to to professional help. Got to face oh, it. I like what you said. You I have to face too. it.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Stacy, mm-hmm. for sharing your story. We appreciate it so much. We've enjoyed having you very much. So thank you. You're um, welcome. And if anybody wants to talk to me
1: about it, there you, know, you go. You to reach out. And um, Debbie would have my number. If that's you need that's it.
0: right. We can, you can, Christy. You can um, get to us through the Noisy Narrative website or even at friscofirst.church. Mm-hmm. Um, either one of those, you can contact us and we will put you in touch with. Stacy or help you get some point of contacts or whatever. So yeah, absolutely. But, um, until next time, everybody, thanks for listening. This is noisy narratives out. Bye. Mm -hmm.